Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Doing All well. right. Let's big see. Wednesday. Big Wednesday. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about foreign policy, but we talk about foreign policy a lot, so uh, we're revisiting in a, some ways, but there's some additional information going on uh, about Ukraine continuously because it's always costing us money and always costing us with the more creative ideas. And there's this group called NATO. They, yeah. they seem to be butting in on, you know, U.S. territory. But it's the other way around. They're not butting in. We own them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we run things. So, uh, uh, you know, in, in spite of the fact that we say they should pay their, their fair share, share uh, we pay for what we get. And right now, I see NATO as a, a pretty powerful arm of the U.S. government, but I also see an end coming to it because of for financial reasons, because uh, we, we can't afford the empire. But it's still going on. And uh, but but there's a uh, there, there's a big argument now, and this, this all started, this came up even before uh, the coup in 2014, and that is Ukraine, you know, uh, they, they won in because it was offered to them to get into NATO, and of course uh, there are people in NATO that uh, they, they don't say it, but this is the only way we can contain our enemy, and those are the Russians. We've yeah. got to stop the Russians. And they like to ignore history and the promises made and the innuendos that uh, we were going to have a different world after the breakdown of the, uh, of the Cold War and getting to go get rid of the Cold War. But no, there's, they're continuing to do this. And, and of course, uh, there's a lot of people, the majority uh, of our representatives in Washington, Republicans and Democrats, and it shifts because there are just some party loyalties that could just go along with the flow. But they, they uh, the strong support, uh, you know, in Washington, uh, there's still a lot of support around the country for, uh, you know, our policy to uh, pester to death the Russians and also uh, to uh, uh, send those weapons, because some of them say, oh, this isn't a good idea, but then there's a vote. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. why, 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 why would that happen? Well, we have an idea on that, and we've talked about the idea, why both sides end up paying. And it might have to do with money, you know, and uh, so that, that's where they are now, but they're still, and they're having a meeting, NATO's having a little meeting to, uh, this week uh, at Bucharest, and guess what subject they're talking yeah. about? How are we gonna get uh, Ukraine into NATO? But I know they're not serious. Uh, you know, there's a lot of back and forth on this stuff and a lot of grandstanding, but never do I think they're speaking for the prosperity, the safety, security, and the wealth of uh, American citizens. Uh, they're supposed to be patriotic, do what they're told, and pay the bills. And that's why I think uh, the foreign policy that uh, we take such a strong opposition to, you know, interventionism, uh, is a policy that is truly beneficial to the American people. Yeah, you know, the symbolism is there. They're, they're meeting in Bucharest. They met the last time in 2008, I believe it was, a NATO foreign minister's meeting. Uh, and that is where they, for the first time, affirmed the possibility of a future membership for Georgia and Ukraine. And I think some, another country, I don't remember which one. But that was where it began. So they're back there. The symbolism is heavy. They're back in Bucharest. They reiterate uh, the idea that, of course, our open-door policy 
uh, Ukraine can join. We want to help it happen. Uh, the Ukrainian foreign minister was there, even though he's not a member of NATO, of course. And he, as is par for the course with Ukrainians, he had his hand out. He said, quote, faster, faster, and faster, <laughs> meaning give me more money as quickly as you can. But there was a reiteration. And, but what I noticed, and put up this first clip if you can. This is from our friends at antiwar.com. And they also use the phrase that AP used, which is doubles down. NATO doubles down on pledge to eventually admit Ukraine. And certainly the rhetoric of Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO, very, very strong, very, very feisty, very, very in favor of Ukraine joining. Uh, but maybe it's just me, Dr. Paul, but I detected some bit of nuance when it came to the final statement of the foreign ministers. And put that next clip up, if you will. Um, so here's a statement that they issued uh, on the 28th. But this is the statement that they all agreed on. And if you, I think, put on the next one if you can. Um, and this is interesting. This is the only mention in the official statement. This is, you know, what they will take away from the meeting rather than just all the jawboning during the meeting. We firmly stand behind our commitment to the Alliance's open-door policy. We reaffirm the decisions we took at the 2008 Bucharest Summit and all subsequent decisions with respect to Georgia and Ukraine. That's as heavy and uh, enthusiastic as the statement got with regard to Ukrainian membership. So the actual document, and I, I hope I'm not putting too fine a point on it, but the actual document that they took away from it was really not that awfully... Um, uh, it, it didn't look to me like it was a doubling down. One thing I noticed in these discussions that are going on, uh, especially for the NATO side, is somebody will suggest, well, <clears throat> you know, this could be antagonistic toward the Russians, yeah. you know, and, and they're looking at it as diplomats. But <clears throat> I think uh, I think they they definitely know it'll be antagonistic. But the thing that's, uh, that shouldn't shock us, but it happens, is uh, even I think they're smart enough to know what they're doing is antagonistic. But I think they're also dumb enough to believe, oh, well, we're just going to pester them, you know, and we're going to satisfy certain factions and things will change. And they think they can get away with this. But this, the warning that we generally have given is be careful. Sometimes things get out of control. Sometimes things happen that you didn't plan for. And uh, how many wars uh, in the history of the world have been, have, has been started by a, a misunderstanding uh, of the enemy? And uh, I think that's what I sense here, too. Yeah, it's moving in that direction. The one thing else, the other thing I noticed in the statement, Dr. Paul, was a little bit of fake news, disinformation, whatever you want to call it. Put on that next clip because this is, I mean, this is pretty blatantly, uh, this is from the statement of the foreign ministers at NATO. We stand in solidarity with Poland following the incident of 15 November that led to the tragic loss of life as a result of Russia's missile attacks against Ukraine. I mean, if you read that a couple times, the way that is written obviously is meant to blame Russia. And in fact, it was Ukrainian missiles, as we know, that hit Poland and killed those people. So that was really kind of a bit of, of fake news. But the other thing about this, and there's a, there's a statement that Stoltenberg made that I think was really interesting. Again, you have to unpack what he said. Um, but he said, if Ukraine does not prevail as an independent sovereign state, then membership issues are not on the table at all. And those aren't just empty words, I think, Dr. Paul. What he's saying is if, NATO, if Ukraine doesn't win this war with Russia, 
Forget about NATO. Forget about joining NATO. It's not even on the table. So you've got to keep fighting. You guys got to keep fighting. You have to win. Um, which goes with the statement that basically NATO is fighting Russia on Ukrainian territory with Ukrainian blood. And, you know, von der Leyen, the EU commissioner, the head of the EU, said uh, to, in a speech recently, uh, and she actually deleted the tweet. It was a tweet of her saying that Ukraine has suffered 100,000 killed in action in this war. And that's the first time any government official has come out and put out a number, certainly on the, uh, on the pro-Ukraine side, uh, and she was criticized for it. So put those two together. You have 100,000 soldiers killed on the Ukrainian side, and you have Stoltenberg saying, you guys better win this one or there's no NATO, so keep fighting and dying. And you see really the depths of the cynicism of these people. But, but the um, propaganda machine <clears throat> are sure to paint it that the only people who are objecting to that <clears throat> are the Russian people that live in Ukraine. Oh, the U uh, Ukrainians are all for this. We're, we're going to fight to the death. Yeah. And that's what they're told to do. But uh, it's, it's so, what's so disgusting is so artificial, so unnecessary, and opportunities... Uh, you, you know they have to have some evil spirits in their minds to, to go through this. When you think of the end of the Cold War and opportunities and a general agreement that, you know, we've had enough of this war stuff. We're going to back off. We're not going to come and put our missiles on the borders of Russia. Well, why would we ever want to do that? Yeah. And then we go and do it. And uh, NATO keeps growing and growing. But uh, it's, it, that doesn't mean that it's more of a threat. It just means they're going broke faster. And even though it was completely overblown, you could at least theoretically understand that in the middle of this global communist conspiracy in the 50s when Khrushchev was banging on the table, we're going to bury you. Well, you might be able to say, well, maybe some missiles, maybe we need to go ahead and, and get ready because these guys seem pretty aggressive. But today, I mean, today's day and age, it's, it's just really, uh, it's really crazy. But I think... I do think, I do sense that the enthusiasm was a little bit lacking, despite the rhetoric, certainly when you look at the final statement. And, you know, one of the things that I don't want to go too much into the details, I do follow them very closely, but Bakhmut in Ukraine is a very, very critical battle. Uh, and that is kind of, you know, it's, it's wrapping up. It looks like the Ukrainian lines are disintegrating. If Russia does take Bakhmut, it'll be a very, very important victory. So I think there are people in Washington who do analyze military affairs and who are smart and know these things. Now, they're not allowed to say anything, but I think they know, I think there is a sense now that the meat grinder has ground Ukraine to the, to the ground and that this thing is going to fall apart fairly quickly. And I know that Colonel McGregor has said that for a long time and has been proven right. So I think they're hedging their bets. We'll see what happens. They don't like losing, but they're good at it. Right? You know, and what you're describing <laughs> is something good. They're having a discussion and they can talk about policy and some can come out with a managed policy that's a little bit better. But that's still a frustration to me because you're still endorsing the principle that uh, we just can't leave it alone. Get, 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 don't feel so compelled to be involved. Uh, but I, I think I would take, you know, anybody who wants to, you know, uh, talk a little bit more common sense than the other, which is what we have done. I think there's been, there was a fair amount of that had to happen during the uh, uh, Cold War, you know, but uh, it's still, 
it's still discouraging that uh, people won't even think about, they, th they think about a compromised approach and they're, they're thinking about backing off. It's a management problem. It's sort of like in economics. Yeah. It's intervention, manage economic. It's you don't have the right people with the Fed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, this sort of thing. So we don't have the right people, you know, in charge of these weapons. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would like to, uh, you know, rearrange the weapons. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Europeans are freezing over the winter. There are, some of them are starving. The prices have gone through the roof. And people say, well, it can happen here, it can happen here. The fact is, it can happen here. And that's one of the reasons I, I do, again, want to bring up the sponsor of our program, um, uh, 4patriots.com, the number 4patriots.com, because having a supply of food, having a supply of generators, of solar generators, of water, uh, it's very, very important to be ready for whatever may happen. We don't know how bad they're going to tank the economy here. The Europeans are certainly finding out. So you can get food, you can get solar-powered generators, you can get all of these things at 4patriots.com. If you enter the code RON, you'll get 10% off your first order, and you will receive free shipping for every order over $97. Not only do they have great, delicious food that lasts for 25 <coughs> years in storage, easily stored, but again, they do have many other items that you need to prepare for whatever may come. So go to 4patriots.com, the number 4patriots.com, enter in Ron, get some food, get some generators, and be ready for whatever is going to happen. Very good. <laughs> I'm ready to go on to one other item here yeah. that we have, and, uh, and th this comes from the Libertarian Institute. It says, White House concerning transferring Patriot missiles to Ukraine, Kremlin threatens response. So we are, and we've already talked about what, what will Russia do, and we're antagonizing them, what's their next step? But uh, this is sort of, uh, more than half of our job is anticipating and knowing what we're going to do. So here it is, they're, they're doing this, and, 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 and this is more weapons sending over there, and, and the Russians don't like the idea. So it's antagonism. And uh, if, you, if you had just, uh, you know, as soon as somebody takes a different position like we might do and say, well, you look to ourselves uh, and, and don't say that it's 100% the Russians. But we, uh, theoretically, if you could find somebody just absolutely has the credentials for being independent-minded and they say, yes, we can check this out and find out who really has precipitated this crisis. You know, I come down on the side of saying, we've we participated in too many coups and too much arms uh, manufacturing and all of these things going on. But then we then the reaction comes and then the propaganda machine comes in and then they are able to stir the people up and say, <clears throat> we have to help the Ukrainians, you know. What kind of a person are you if you won't do that? So that that's... That, to me, is a frustrating thing, but right now it looks like we're just antagonizing them again, Patriot missiles. So they, yeah, cost, they cost a little bit of money, too. They, oh, they do. They do, indeed. <laughs> Let's put on that next uh, clip because this is, again, as you say, the Libertarian Institute. Good friends, good uh, organization, follow their work. Uh, White House considering transferring Patriot missiles to Ukraine. Kremlin threatens response. But there's something interesting about this as well. Maybe I'm in a conspiracy mode. Maybe I need to put some tinfoil on my head today. But put on this next one because I'm just you know, sniffing around this story. To me, it feels like these Patriot missiles are a hot potato. Because, okay, we had, the, here's the timeline. 
November 15th, we had the Ukrainian missile hit Poland, right? They tried to blame it on Russia. No, it was Ukraine that fired it. It hit Poland. And so Germany immediately says, hey, Poland, how about if we give you some Patriot missiles? And Poland says, no, go ahead and send them to Ukraine. And Germany says, um, I don't know about that. We're not going to do that. So it's a hot potato. They know it's an escalation. And how do they know? Because they've been told by the Russians. And let's put on the next one, because this is Medvedev, who is the former president. Now he's head of the National Security Council. He said, if, as Stoltenberg hinted, NATO supplies the Kiev fanatics with Patriot defense systems, as well as the alliance's personnel, they will immediately turn into legitimate targets for our armed forces. I hope it is clear for the North Atlantic impotence, <laughs> which is, he, he has a very sharp tone, which is kind of funny because when he was president, he was known as being a bit milk toast. But now that he's not president, he's pretty, he's pretty tough. I'm going to read a short uh, sentence or two from the Institute, Libertarian Institute, and it won't be new information for you, but it, it should uh, remind us constantly. This has to do with who precisely might be behind selling Patriot missiles. Well, this is something I think that uh, we've been aware of. And the statement, though, is repeated here. The Patriot missile system is produced by Raytheon. Well, that's a good, honest American <laughs> free enterprise company. Uh, doing well, though. <laughs> yeah. Where uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin once served as a board member. Right. The, the platform is considered to be NATO's most sophisticated air defense weapon. So there's, there's money involved in this stuff. And he's in a position where he could have a little bit of influence, you know, the defense secretary. You know, it's, it's, it's sad. I guess, the, I guess the real disappointment comes from the allies that we once had uh, where the progressives would say, you mean that's going to profit some warmongering corporations? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we better stop that. No, when can we vote for it? Yeah, exactly. Some of the most ra radical uh, progressives are voting for the money, uh, you know, uh, for these uh, events and, and voting to send more and more over to Ukraine and keep it going. So yeah. uh, I, I, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> I mean, I do hope, and I, it's probably not going to happen, but I do hope, I would love to see in the next Congress some progressives start to wake up and to start working together with some of the more um, conservative Republicans who have, feel the same way about spending this money. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully it'll happen. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, you're right. The, the whole thing is such a scam because Raytheon, if you, I looked at their stock earlier, it's, it's going way up. They're doing really well. We send these missiles, we send these weapons, Russia blows them up and then we send more and Russia blows them up and we send more. <laughs> I mean, if you're on one of these companies, this is the greatest thing ever. You're saying, go Russia, hit them again. And now I was reading that we're going to send a couple hundred million bucks to help rebuild the energy sector there in Ukraine. Russia's going to bomb it again. And then we're going to send billions more money. Can't you just imagine, theoretically, of course, that they know what they're doing and they call them up and say, hey, you know, get your guys out of there. Yeah. <laughs> We're going after those weapons. Yeah. Just move them out. We don't want to kill people. Yeah. We just want to make some bucks. Make some money. Yeah, so, so then they go ahead and do it. But, uh, you know, the one thing is there's always a cost to this and the cost is hidden. The cost is never described very often to the American people. And uh, it's, uh, it's politicized. And uh, that, that is a... Uh, 
that is what has to be overcome. It's, a, it's an issue of information getting out. That's why some of these fights over the First Amendment and what's going on in social media are uh, very, very important to get this information out. And uh, the conditions have always been tough getting information out. It's not like this is something that's just started with social media. That's just they're more sophisticated. But, uh, you know, throughout all of history, you know, there's been many times where the strategy was just to deceive and, de and lie and get the people to march to their death in wars that were totally unnecessary. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about Ukraine and Russia, but let's not forget that other huge threat, China. We gotta, we gotta get those chai comms. Let's go ahead and put up, skip that one because Dr. Paul already read it and go straight to the anti-war article if you can. U.S. warship sails near disputed Spratly Islands in South China Sea. There we go again, as Reagan might say. Sailing our ships around their islands. I think I read, and I could be wrong, that one of these ships strayed into uh, Chinese territory and was chased away by the Chinese. But they're there basically just to irritate the Chinese in their backyard, uh, and here they go again. So, you know, with this statement, I remember when I first heard about this many decades ago. We have to always be prepared for a two-front war, <laughs> and uh, then there are sometimes I think they better prepare for a three-point war, <laughs> three-point yeah. war, because there's enough continents around that we could fight them all at once. But uh, you know, they're they're doing this, and it's always done. Uh, and people in this country, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, they they don't like China, and you know I don't particularly like their system either. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But they they are really inclined to go along with being very very tough on China. And look at uh, uh, you know look how strong the Republicans are right now. They can't oh. wait uh, to to bash China and not for once think about it. But China, you know, China's over there, you know, very very destructive about their civil liberties at home, but. Uh, uh, like I've said so many times, when we have solved all our problems and abuse of our civil liberties of our people here and our justice system, it has something to do with justice, then it, it might be a different story. But then, by that time, if we had a system like that, I say we would be an influence. There was a time in our history where our system was an influence because people liked what was happening and there was a respect for personal liberty. But uh, no, you, you can't do that by threats and sanctions and all these other things that go on. Uh, but uh, these, these warships, I, I just, for some reason, I just don't feel safer yeah. just because of this. It, it doesn't seem to assure me that we, uh, uh, oh, things are coming. This is all fake, and they're not, they're not serious about this. Why, why would they send those? These, these Navy people have to have a lot of practice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe, maybe some. They'll probably maybe something interesting will come of our uh, patrolling the coast of China. I really love to hear one of these Republican China bashers just once say China is bad because of how they treat their people. The civil liberties are really not respected. Therefore, I'm going to stand even stronger for civil liberties at home. <laughs> yeah. you know, just once, I would like to hear them That's actually, the yeah, actually hit the real problem with China. No, they don't. They love all the surveillance stuff. They really do. But I'm going to, I think if we're about ready to wind this right. thing down, I was remiss yesterday. I wasn't looking at our live stream of our chatters. And so I do <laughs> want to thank a couple of our, of our rumble ranters. Dennis Marburger sent us 20, 22 bucks yesterday. <coughs> said, thanks for all you do, Ron Paul and Daniel McAdams. Here's a 45 to 23 Michigan victory contribution <coughs> for the cause of peace and prosperity. 
Very nice. Thanks, Dennis. And do another couple more. more. Doubting Thomas sent us $20. They want to put Santa Claus in jail. Okay, we'll do that. Brewster McBrewster gave us 10 bucks for the RPLR behind the scenes crew. We appreciate you guys participating. Um, please hit that rumble plus sign to give us some more rumbles. Subscribe to our channel if you're not already subscribed. Uh, tell your friends and enemies about us. Watch the show. Uh, I do also want to thank everyone who yesterday on Giving Tuesday made a donation and contribution. Dr. Paul was very nice. A lot of people responded. I'm sure many of you responded from my ask during the show. So thanks very much for keeping us going. We appreciate it. Back over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. I, w I want to talk for a minute about, uh, you know, the cost of our foreign policy and the cost of war because it's not mentioned when the war is starting after it's there 10, 20 years, and you know, maybe this is costing us too much, and they're into the trillions, trillions of dollars. But for the most part, they like to avoid it, and right now our foreign policy is designed not to have any body bags coming back, because you know, in Korea and Vietnam, that was a, that was a big uh, psychological problem. The American people were seeing Americans actually dying there. But you mentioned uh, early on that the number of people who have died in Ukraine, well, and, and they say it's huge, <clears throat> but nobody said, well, they're not Americans. <clears throat> yeah, but they're, they're people, and they're dying as a result of a foreign policy that we're promoting and antagonizing. So there's tremendous cost people don't want to think about, it. and the lives lost, whether they, whether they are the civilians of our so-called enemy or whether they're our soldiers or whatever, there's a big cost for this. And when you think of how many people have died in war since World War II in undeclared, unconstitutional, immoral, useless wars that have gone on, a lot of Americans and uh, certainly a lot of people who are victims of our bombs. And uh, this also contributes, and this is a big issue, even though uh, it's not the biggest, the, the lives, I think, are the biggest issue uh, and working for peace. But the big issue is the dollars spent. It's huge. And it, <clears throat> matter of fact, though, that's what will finally bring this to an end because uh, they, they can't do it. Now we're paying, paying interest on the money we borrowed to have these wars going on and we have to keep on borrowing. So that's why this is self-limited. So we have to have some real plans made for what kind of a society we want uh, after we don't have to keep fi financing wars. But there's a lot of people who will resist this because that's their livelihood. War is their livelihood. But the other issue that all this foreign policy antagonizes is the issue of, of liberty, the loss of liberty. You know, uh, there, there's more economic controls, there's more civil liberties controls. Just think of the war against COVID. Well, in, in other kind of wars, that's when wage and price controls on and freedom of speech is regulated. So it's, it's been said, and I happen to believe this, that probably one of the rare times where the people ended up with more liberty rather than less after war was the Revo American Revolution. Because most of the time, the countries, both sides end up poorer and with less liberty and uh, a good reason to steer clear of trying to provoke some countries to see what they're going to do, see how close we can get to their borders without starting a shooting war. It's a little contest they play. 
So there's a lot of practical benefits from uh, endorsing and understanding what a non-interventionist foreign policy should be all about. We basically had that in, in the early years, but far from perfect. We can do a lot better, just like we can do a lot better on monetary policy. We can do a lot better on the foreign policy, and that, of course, is what we uh, do our best to promote because I believe that the American people are supportive of uh, peace and prosperity, and that is what we expect to talk about for as long as it takes. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.